Good morning. Happy Sabbath to you all. Okay. Now, uh, a few weeks ago as well, I said that I was going to cover some of the basic and fundamental beliefs of our church, of our movement, the Seventh-day Adventists. And we are going to start that today, talking about the second coming of Jesus. And you may think, oh, Pastor, there is nothing more I need to know or learn about the second coming of Jesus. I know that Jesus is coming. Praise the Lord. I know that Jesus is coming again. I know, but you know, all of all the people who lived on earth, when Noah was here preaching, and he preached for many decades uh, uh, back to back, and only eight people were saved. So we may easily... We may easily not realize the times we are living. So that's why we're bringing this message today in regard to the second coming of Jesus. Because a great day is coming. Before we go into the message, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer. I'm going to kneel here. You don't have to if you, if you feel you can't. But if, if at all possible, you can kneel with me as I pray for God's direction. Father, once again, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity. And now, Lord, as we're going to open your word, as we're going to study your word and the messages you have for us, please be with us. Open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our eyes. May we be ready and willing to, to learn from you. May your word again speak to our hearts. And please be with me. May I speak only what you have prepared for us today. May every word that I say be not my own ideas, but may they come from your throne of grace. I ask you this humbly in the name of Jesus. Amen. A great day is coming. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. A great day is coming. I'd like to read with you again from Matthew chapter 24, verses 29, 30, and 35. Matthew 24, 29, 30, and 35. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's word. Jesus' words will never ever pass away. What he has said will come to be true. What he has said and promised will take place because we will never lie. A story is told of a young psychology student who was serving in the army. And he decided to test a theory. And this was his theory. He was, he was in charge of working uh, in the kitchen. So he was given the job of passing out apricots 
at the end of the foot line. I think it's called the chow line in the army jargon, right? So they were, the, the soldiers were coming there to, to eat, to get their food. And he was supposed to pass out the apricots. But he was told, he was told this, well, most soldiers do not enjoy apricots. Most of them, almost all of them, they really don't like it. So he said, I'm going to try an approach here. So as each soldier would come, he would ask, you don't really want apricots, do you? And you know, more than 90% of the soldiers said, no, of course I don't. So for the second group, he tried something different. He tried the positive approach. So as each soldier would come, he would say, you want apricots, don't you? And guess what? About 50% of the soldiers said, hmm, yeah, okay, why not? And so 50-50, they took the apricots. But he tried yet another approach. And this time, as each soldier would come to him, he would ask, he would actually have two plates, three plates. And he would say, do you want one plate of apricots or do you want two? And you know, 60% of the soldiers took one plate and 40% took two plates, but everyone took some apricot. So what's the, what's the lesson here? He tried to, he sort of induced the soldiers into getting the apricots, right? Let me do now the reverse path here. If I were to come to you and ask you in private, it doesn't have to be in front of anyone. If I asked you, if I give you two choices, do you believe that Jesus is coming in the next 10 years or in about a thousand years from now? What would you say? If I came to you and asked you, you believe Jesus is coming again, don't you? What would you say? And if I came to you and said, you don't really believe Jesus is coming after all this time, do you? What would still be your answer? Would your answer be based on maybe personal taste? Would your answer be based on personal opinion? On promises? On facts? Would you say yes? Or would you say, would you say no? What do we really know about the second coming of Jesus? What do you know about the second coming of Jesus? What does the Bible say? Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Well, in fact, there are hundreds, hundreds of texts in the Bible that point specifically to the second coming of Jesus. And I hope you have your Bible. If you don't have it, you can, you can borrow one from the pew. Or not, if not, you can still follow here. Uh, today I'm going to give you a, uh, a chance and I'm going to have the text up here on the PowerPoint. But let's look at some Bible texts that talk about the second coming of Jesus. And you may have heard these verses already, but it's never too much to, to remind us of this precious truth that Jesus is coming again. The first one is in John chapter 14 verses 1 to 3. And here is Jesus himself speaking. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you so that wherever I am, there you may be also. Jesus himself promised that he would be coming again. Another text, this is found in Hebrews chapter 9 verses 27 and 28. Hebrews 9, 27, 28. And we read, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. So Jesus came once to, Jesus came once to, to pay the penalty of sin, to, to give His life in our instead. But now He's coming to save and to take home those who have accepted His sacrifice. I have one more text here. This is not here up on the screen. It's Titus 2, 11 through 13. Titus 2, 11 through 13. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. Righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there is no question that in the Bible, Jesus' coming is predicted, it's prophesied, and it's guaranteed. He is coming again, and He is coming to take home those who love Him, those who trust Him and have accepted Him as their Lord and Savior. Very soon... All of this in this world will be ended. You know, two businessmen were talking once. They met in a place, in a restaurant, and they were talking. One of those was from the, the United States of America. The other was from, from Russia. I don't know exactly which one is each one, but I guess the one on the left is the American, and the other one is the Russian. They were talking about the, the situation, the condition of our world today. The problems we all face. And, the, and the, the Russian man was actually astonished to learn that uh, in America, America was plagued with the same problems that they would have there in Russia. And this Russian man turned to the American and, and asked, what do you really think is the solution for all of this? And without hesitation, the American said, well, you know, many Americans believe that the solution to all of this is a king. And that astonished the Russian even more. Because he said, a king, you don't have a king in the United States of America. How come you say that it is a king, the solution? If a king is the solution for the situation, that person would have to be a very influential, a very extraordinary individual. And the American man said, yes, you're right. It has to be someone extraordinary. And I believe that this extraordinary being exists. It is Jesus. And He's coming. He's coming to settle all the problems in this world. That's King Jesus I'm talking about. You know, worldwide poverty, hunger, thousands of children starving each day. Immorality, disintegration of the home resulting in children growing up without the nurture of loving parents, all of this will very soon come to an end. Alcoholism and substance abuse, 
destroying the minds of people, destroying the hearts of people, rampant violence, crime, turning our cities into jungles of violence and corruption, international terrorism, all of that will soon have an end. Everywhere we turn, there is a cry for change. There is physical and there is mental restlessness. We also have come to the point where frightening thoughts sometimes cross our minds. When everywhere we look, there are signs and warnings that things are not fine, things are not well. There are reasons for concern everywhere we turn to. Deep down within our hearts, deep down within the hearts of men and women, these questions resound. Have we come to the end of civilization? Is this the last generation that's going to live on this planet? How will everything end? Do we have to just sit and wait for the inevitable? Or is there any sort of hope or permanent solution to the crisis we face? Where can we find the answers? Well, we can turn to someone who knows the future. We can turn to Jesus. Jesus is the one who knows the future. He's the one who clearly revealed the signs of His coming in the Bible. Jesus never gave us the exact day and hour of His coming, but He gave us plenty of signs. He gave us enough signs that the intelligent mind, the, the researcher, the student of the Bible, the Bible-believing Christian can know exactly when. Jesus will come. Jesus was leaving the temple one day, and you know this story. And the disciples were showing him the temples, and they were marveled, and they were saying, Oh, look at these structures, Lord. And Jesus looked at them and said in Matthew 24, 2, Do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you that not one, one stone shall be left here upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And he says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, Lord, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? When will Jerusalem will be destroyed? When will Jerusalem be destroyed? When will be the temple overthrown? Tell us when these things will be. You know, the disciples were asking about the destruction of the temple. And Jesus was willing to tell them not only about that, but also about the signs of the end of the time. Jesus was talking about two events. And he started to give his explanation to the question, what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Jesus gave plenty of explanation. And could it be that we are now living in this very last generation? Could it be that we are going to be the ones who are going to see Jesus coming in the skies? Well, we have learned that the end of time has come. And in Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, Jesus started to give the disciples a description of the world. A description of the world just before the end would come. And in verse 4 and 5, Jesus said, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Then, sorry, and will deceive many. Jesus was predicting that many would come in His name. They would not come contesting what Jesus had said, but they would come in Jesus' name. 
saying then, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. And in verse 11, Jesus goes beyond and says, there will be false Christs, many false prophets, and they will rise up and deceive many. These false prophets would come and deceive many people. That's what scripture is saying. They would come with false teachings and they would make confusion in the religious world. And that's what we see today. You just have to log on YouTube. You just have to log on the web. And you see all kinds of teachings. From people who pretend to be Christians, who pretend to be followers of Jesus. But then bring somehow deception. They're teaching not what the Bible teaches. They're teaching, they're saying things that Jesus never said. They're mingling truth with error. And they will come saying, this is the way, follow me. I heard a voice from heaven. The Lord spoke to me. I saw an angel last night and I have a revelation for you. Don't we see this? Look now at verse 24. Verse 24 puts together the concepts we, we just read in verses 5 and 6. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So that's why I'm saying, you may say, oh pastor, I've heard so much about the coming of Jesus. I know that Jesus will come one day. But if possible, if you are not grounded, if you are not sure of what we believe, these false Christs and false prophets might even, might even deceive, if possible, the elect, those who have even accepted Christ. In these last days, you may expect the rise of false religions. Many new religious leaders will be claiming to be divine, will be claiming to be the Messiah themselves. They will be claiming to be the reincarnation of Christ, showing signs and wonders. And this growth of new religions would be one of the signs that we are living right down at the end of time. All around the world we see this. The, 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 the burst in the number of religions, the, the increasing number, the burgeoning in the number of religions and, and new uh, trains of thought and people who claim to have revelations. It's all around us. So are we living at the end of time? Are we living in the very time before the coming of Christ? Well, the Bible says that five false Christs and false prophets claiming to be divine would show up, would appear. And that's what we are saying. None of them shows up saying, I am a false prophet. I am a false teacher, follow me. Nobody would follow them. They all come saying that they have a message that they received from God. That's how many and many are deceived and are led into deception. But Jesus also said something else. He gave another sign of the end of time. And that's, that's found in Matthew 24, 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. For nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. So Jesus was saying that there will be wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilences, earthquakes, in various places. And you may say, well, there's been war since the time of the people of Israel. There's been war throughout history. All the time has been war. Yes. But Jesus is saying that there will be an increase 
increase in intensity and increase in frequency, there will be more and more wars. You know, there was not long ago, think about this, just about a century ago, just about a century ago, the eyes of the entire world would look to a single war event. It was the First World War. Then a few decades after, it was the Second World War. Nobody talks like that anymore. Because there is virtually war everywhere around the planet. Nobody talks about a third world war because there is so much war going around. That it's become commonplace. And that's what Jesus was talking about. All the signs of the end of the time has, have been clearly outlined in scripture. And as we look at them, we see that this is the time we're living where wars and conflicts have exploded in various parts of the world. world. Jesus said that the last days will be filled with wars, with violence, with pestilences. The history of mankind does reveal that there have always been wars and rumors of wars. But there are two points that we need to know here. One, an isolated experience of war does not constitute a sign of the times. Rather, today war is so commonplace and so widespread that this restless, strained relations between nations permeate society. And you hear about the United States many diplomatic relations with Cuba, but there is always this sense, this feeling of, this tense feeling that something may be explode, that the, the peace treaties are so fragile, everything is so tender, that at any moment, war may burst out again. Jesus continues to say that there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Jesus said that those signs of the times, in the last day of earth history, would be chaos, disaster. And isn't that what we see? Isn't that what we see around famine? Famine has become an ever-present presence. There are about 7 billion people in the world. And some of them are clawing at one another for just a meager portion of food. You see, this is Bangladesh. Bangladesh is a country just about the size of the state of Florida in the United States. Bangladesh has more than 161 million people. You think that the, the, the population of the United States altogether is about 300 million. And Bangladesh, just about the size of Florida, has 161 million. And many, many of them are competing for living space and for food. We, talk, we can talk about India with their 1.21 billion people living there. And many of them are, are malnourished. You think about Africa. The drought in Africa is so severe that it threatens the livelihood of more than 9 million people. And experts believe that tens of thousands have, at some point in their life, starved. And many have starved to, to death or have died of malnutrition as a result of this unprecedented drought. Pestilences. Pestilences afflict today men, afflict animals, afflict crops. Pestilences destroy food and products and they produce world famine. 
This is why Jesus said that famine and pestilences would be together a sign of the end of the world. You know, someone said the other day that uh, a farmer was asked, how many times do you spray your apples? And he said, I spray my apples 12 to 15 times to produce one crop. 12 to 15 times to produce one crop of apples. No wonder, no wonder, so many diseases as, as we eat, even fruits, right, were bought at the grocery store. Other diseases like cancer affect, afflicts millions today. There was a time when I was growing up when cancer, you heard about cancer, it usually uh, be, be a disease that would reach people at their, you know, more experienced age, elderly people. But today you see young people in their early 20s, people who are not even 20 years old, children being afflicted by cancer and dying of it. There are approximately 100 kinds of cancer and it continues to spread. But Jesus also said there will be earthquakes in various places. Just about 3,000 major earthquakes happen annually. They are not, not that they happen, they are annually recorded. Many more happen. And earthquakes have increased dramatically during the last 50 years. And not even the, the, the million of earthquakes, lesser, one that, uh, lesser ones, that are not even reported. They are getting worse and worse and worse. Earth's crust has been destabilized since the time of the flood. And the Bible says that our world is waxing old. old. Continental plates are shifting, geologic faults are moving, earthquakes are inevitable. And all of those are signs of the end. Everywhere around, and you may have seen this in social media, people are talking about the great one, the last one, great earthquake. Nature is convulsing. And very soon, the greatest earthquake of all time will occur. That's true. That's prophesied. It will occur at the end of the seventh plague and Jesus will then suddenly appear. And all of the signs will meet its, its confirmation because Jesus will come from heaven. Jesus continues to say something here in verses 37 to 39. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. That's Matthew 24, 37 to 39. So what happened here? How come they did not know? How come they didn't know that the flood was coming? Noah was preaching. He was preaching for decades now. Well, he, he preached as much as he, he could, but they rejected the preaching. So, is it possible that we may have been so conditioned to the signs of the times around us that we no longer look at those things with expectation? Maybe we have so so gotten so used to earthquakes and to, to famine and pestilence all around us that we don't really see them anymore as signs of the coming of Jesus. You know, a story is told of a man living in the city of New York. And he said that he got so used to the fire engines wailing night and day. It was
was so used to the sirens howling that in the midst of, of the worst fire, with tracks going back and forth, he was able to sleep, to have a sound sleep. He wouldn't even hear, he wouldn't even hear anything at all. He could sleep through all of it peacefully. And here's a question for you and I. Have we come to that place perhaps? Where we have God so you got him so used to everything that we get complacent. And you think, yes, the Lord will come. But the Lord also predicted some heavenly signs. And this is really, this is really important. I want to draw your attention to it. So that we may not leave this place just used to all those signs and thinking, yes, they happen. One day Jesus will come. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said that there will be some heavenly signs. Matthew 24, 29, and that's one of the texts we read this morning. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Matthew 24, 29. So what Jesus is saying here is this. Jesus was talking both about the end of the world, and he was talking also about the destruction of Jerusalem. So he starts talking about the end of the world and he makes a, a parenthesis. And he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. And we can find here that Jesus is talking about a tribulation. Which tribulation is that? Well, between verses 15 and 20, 28 of Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And he's saying that the city would be besieged and that people would prepare, should prepare for their flight and that would be destroyed. And he says that that tribulation, that persecution would, would endure, would go for a long time. And in fact, it started back there at the destruction of Jerusalem. But Christians have been persecuted for centuries and centuries out. Christians have been persecuted and they were mostly persecuted basically until the end of the 18th century. Just around the end of the 1700s. So Jesus is saying that immediately after the end of that tribulation. That tribulation that started with the destruction of Jerusalem. And went all the way through the end of the 18th century. Immediately after that. There would be signs in the heaven. The sun and the moon would not give their light. And the stars would fall. Did that happen? Did that happen at the end of the 18th century? Did it really happen at the end of that tribulation? Because if it did happen, then we can be sure that we are actually living in the end of time. Well, the sun was darkened on May 19, 1780. The sun and the moon did not give their lights. The sun came up. Then the morning of May 19, 1780, but about noon, it darkened completely. Nobody could understand and explain why. But it happened. Now note the sequence, as Jesus says. Uh, the sun and the moon would not give their lights, and then the stars would fall. Let's see if that's how it happened. And this is from the Webster's Dictionary, 1869 edition. On May 1978, the sun rose as usual, but by mid-morning it began to get dark. The cattle came home and the chickens went to roost.
turned the fuels from their fuels, and their lamps had to be lighted. And that very night, the moon appeared as red as blood, just as Jesus had prophesied. Now Jesus said this would happen, and then the stars would fall from heaven. Did that happen? Yes. History confirms that. 53 years after that, on November 13, 1833, the greatest star shower ever recorded in history happened. Falling meteors streaked through the sky from Maine, from the state of Maine to Mexico. Look at this report here. People said they had no difficulty reading the newspaper all night without lighting a candle. Some scientists estimated that about 200,000 meteors streaking through the sky per hour that night. And again, people feared, people thought it would be the end of the world. But Jesus said, it was not going to be the end yet, but the beginning of the end. Uh, President Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln was quoted saying he was just a, a young man at that night in November 13, 1833, and he said, no, it's not the end of the world yet, because the great constellations are still there, in spite of all the star shower. So we must recognize that those signs are crying, they are shouting loud, that we live, we are living right now in Earth's last hour. Luke 21, 28 says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption, your redemption is drawing near. So, what does the Bible tell then about the coming of Jesus? Here is what we've covered so far. That Jesus gave some signs that have already met their fulfillment. And Jesus gave the, the signs in a certain sequence. And they have happened. False teachers. You remember that Paul, even Paul in the Bible, in his time, was already, many of Paul's epistles in the Bible, warned about false teachers coming into the church. False teachings creeping into the church. So this happened even from the time of the apostolic church. Jesus also talked about wars, an increase in wars. Jesus also talked about the tribulation, the persecution of Christians. That lasts until the end of the 18th century. And Jesus said that after that, there would be signs in the heaven. And those did happen in 1780 and 1833. Now, if, G if all those signs have already been fulfilled, how can we expect for the coming of Jesus? We should be prepared to, to recognize the coming of Jesus. So what does the Bible tell about the second coming of Jesus? We are going to briefly hear some, some of the description the Bible makes of the second coming of Jesus. The Bible says that the second coming of Jesus will be a visible event. Will be a visible coming. Matthew 24, 27, in the very words of Jesus, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, or rather from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. It will not be something uh, concealed. Everyone, every eye will see. That's what Revelation 1.7 says. He's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Every eye. The eye of the blind will see him. The eye of the young will see him. The eye of the saint, the eye of the sinner, the, the eye of the wicked 
They all will see him. They all will see Jesus coming. So it's, it's visible. It's not that someone will come and say, Oh, I've seen Jesus there in Belleville. I've seen Jesus come in Toronto. Rush down to Toronto. Don't go for that. Because every eye will see Jesus coming in the sky. Matthew 24, 30. Jesus himself said, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the, on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Matthew 24, 30. What else does the Bible say about the coming of Jesus? It will be a dramatic, audible coming. It will not be a silent event. Satan would have to have the cooperation of the whole nature to duplicate, to duplicate Jesus' coming. Listen to this, Revelation 16, 18 to 20. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. This is something that Satan will never be able to counterfeit. At least not that one. And the Bible also says that there is more, that when Jesus comes, the dead in Christ will be awakened. They will rise again. So the, the, the coming of Christ will be so audible that it will be heard by everyone, even the dead. Even the dead will raise, will rise to life and will hear the coming of Jesus. So the sound of the trumpet, the trumpet will sound and those who are dead in Christ will be awakened. Isn't this what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So it will be a happy reunion. I'm longing to see my grandparents who have already gone to, gone, gone to rest. Have already died and passed away. I'm looking forward to the day when I will see them. Faithful followers of Christ will be caught up and will be, will be joining those who have been just resurrected to meet Jesus in the air and go to heaven. What a happy day it will be. What a happy reunion it will be. Families will be reunited. We will be brought together again. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, not sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. God will give every follower of His a new body, a renewed body. All other gifts will be meaningless without immortality. You'll be immortal when Jesus comes. So you, you can enjoy eternity forever. And all the pleasures of eternity. That's why we need to look at Jesus. As Paul says, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body. There will be no more disease. Our body will be like the body of Christ. There will be no more aches. 
You know, when I was about 10 years old, I fell once on the ground and we were playing, uh, uh, me and my sister, and we were throwing each other on the, on the floor on purpose. And my mom would say from the kitchen, don't do that. When you're 30, when you're 40, you'll feel bad. Your bad will come back at you. And, and my mother was right, you know. I'm, I'm past my 30s and I can feel that. I'm past my 40s, I'm almost 50 now, and I can feel that. But one day there will be no more aches, no more pain, no more disease. What, what best news could we be looking for? What news would be more welcome? But Paul says that our body will be transformed to be just like the body of Christ. And what body does Christ have? What will Jesus be when he comes? Well, you know, the... The apostles were looking, the disciples were looking at Jesus going up to heaven. And two angels came, and these angels told them this, Acts 1, 10, and 11. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? This same Jesus was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So it is the same Jesus who was taken into heaven who is going to come in the same manner. The same Jesus with flesh and bones. The same Jesus with the nail prints in his hands and feet. It's the same Jesus with the wound side. The same Jesus who talked, walked, and taught the disciples. The same Jesus. And finally, the Bible also says that the coming of Jesus will be above everything else. A glorious event. It will not be anything shy. It will be a glorious and pompous event. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him. Jesus is coming not by Himself. Jesus is coming no longer as a helpless child. He's coming now as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And He's coming accompanied by angels. All of the joy, all of that glory has been reserved for you and I. Has been reserved for those who accept Christ as their Savior. We don't need to be lost. We don't need to miss out on eternal life. Because He has made all the provisions. Revelation 6.14-17 says, Then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the mighty men, hid themselves in the caves. And said to the mountains and rocks, Call on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? We don't need to be part of that group. They lost it and now they, rec they lost it and now they recognize it. But we don't have to be a part of that group. We can share in eternal everlasting life. Because Jesus has made all the provisions for that. 
So my appeal to you this morning is, are we, are we aware of the importance of the times, of the urgency of the times we're living in? Life on earth is fragile. Life on earth can finish just suddenly. That's why we should set our, our minds in the things of above, not on the things of this earth. One day, a small cloud will appear in heaven. Remember when Elijah, when Elijah was about to announce the end of that drought in, in Israel? He called his servant and told him to go and gaze up upon the sky to see if there was any sign of, of uh, rain coming. And Elijah's assistant went there and he, walked, he looked once. Twice, three times, four, five, six. Finally, on the seventh time, he saw he saw a small dark, a small dark cloud, about the size of a of a man's hand. And he came back to Elijah, saying, "Yes, I see it. It's coming." Well, I tell you one thing, brothers and sisters. One day, there will be a small cloud, just about half the size of a man. But this time, it's not going to be rain. This time it's going to be our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you'll be coming with all the angels. With all the sounds. With the mighty sound of the trumpet. The whole earth will see that event. And all of those who are prepared. All of those who look forward to that event in expectancy. In great expectation. Will be called to enjoy the blessings and the pleasures of eternal life with Jesus. He is the one who had, <clears throat> sorry, who has one name written on his thigh, on his thigh, on his robe, and it's written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the only one. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one who gave His life for us. And I ask you, as I finish today, are you willing to live with Jesus eternally? Because if you are, you need to accept Him. This has, has been prepared for you. He's gone to heaven to prepare a place for you. But you have to accept it. You have to, you have to accept this free gift, this free offer. So you can take part in that. Jesus is calling you today. Jesus is calling you who has been a member of this church for long. Jesus is calling you who has come here just for a short period of time. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for long or for, or for just a, a little time, the Lord is calling you. Matthew is going to sing here. And as he sings, I'd like to invite you to, to meditate upon these words and to accept this free offer, this free gift.
So do you want to see Jesus face to face? Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him. And He will save us. If this is your desire, as Matthew sings the second verse, the last verse of this hymn, please close, close your eyes. And in silent prayer, surrender your life to Him or rededicate your life to Jesus. pray with me oh father we thank you because because your word never changes we thank you and we praise you Lord because Jesus himself promised to come again and we believe in this promise but right now Lord my prayer is that each and every person here today May, Lord, attach themselves to these promises, may trust in you, and may renew their commitment to follow you, so that when Jesus comes, we may be part of that group who will look up to heaven and say, Behold, this is our God and Savior, whom we've been awaiting. He is our God, in Him is our salvation. I also pray, Lord, for our families, for our children, I pray, Lord, for, for that part of our family who is not walking with you. For those for whom we've been praying constantly. Please, Lord, reach out to them. May we be used as your instruments to bring them to your ways. And may we all as a family, as a church, and as a family be united when Jesus comes. The times... The time is short. The times are, are just ending. And Jesus is coming. We know this. There is not so much more to happen between now and the coming of Jesus. All prophecies are fulfilling right before our eyes. So please keep us attentive. Keep us alert. And may we be prepared for the coming of Jesus. It is my humble prayer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.